Hey, awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch or recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters could be used in your role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and I am joined by my co-host, Afif, who is currently sending a swarm of mechanical insects to uh, explode his enemies. I'm a little under the weather. If only I had Hexcore to fix me and make me stronger. Hexcore. Is it Hexcore as in core? Core as in like the middle of an apple. Oh, I see. So that little little Rubik's cube thing that Victor keeps like fingering. Yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yes, hex core would be very useful. So everyone, forgive uh, Fee for his his croaky voice, because uh, we are talking about Arcane episode seven of season one, the Boy Savior. Savior being spelt wrong because Americans don't like you. Just just you in particular. Um, cool. This is the episode where Caitlin and Vi meet an ally in Zorn's... Meet an ally. Meet an ally. My notes are wrong there. They don't just ally themselves to each other. Uh, meet an ally in Zorn's streets and head into a frenzied battle with a common foe. Victor makes a dire decision. That's it. That's all that happens. That's all? Uh, That's the whole episode? That's the entire episode. Um, I liked it. I thought it was a good episode. I liked the little different intro. Um, the, oh yeah, the kind of cold open, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very um, flowbots. I was into it. Um, yeah, it, it kind of introduced. Hey, we're going to get to see more of the firelights and find out what their whole deal is. And boy, howdy, did we! Did you see this coming? Was this a surprise? To I you, or? did not. I did not even suspect that lead firelight uh, was Fireflight. Firefly. Anyway, uh, the lead one was Echo. Like, you told me Echo's coming back. I figured Echo was coming back. I didn't even register this. He's got coloured hair. He has to. He does, yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it coloured? Is it bleached? Bleach is a colour. Did he have, like, the white hourglass on his face when he was a kid? Uh, I don't think so. Not that I remember. No, I thought that was new. It looks cool. Echo is cool now. Do you reckon <laughs> he's bleached much. his hair since he was a kid? Because he had, like, um, perfectly white hair. I don't think so. I think it's just gone a little grey as he's gotten older. Like, I think it's still that that shock of blonde that he had. <clears throat> but as he's getting older, it's starting to, like, go grey as he's dealing with the stress of the world. Even though he's only, like, 18. Yeah. I think they made him look older in the show. I think in the yeah. game he looks kind of younger. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think he was, like, in his 30s. He's not old. <laughs> but it did take me a moment to remember that he's meant to be, like, a contemporary of Jinx. Powder. I mean, pretty much, yeah. There's a lot of that in this series of, like, parallels between characters. And yeah. sort of the, the different choices they make. And yeah. So that final confrontation on the bridge when it's Echo and and Echo and Jinx and it's flashing back to Echo and Powder. Like, I thought that was super cool. Oh my God. That's probably the scene that I've rewatched the most from this series. It's mm -hmm. so good. I love that fight. It's so, so awesome. It's just so fucking cool. And just they, there's that, that thing that, Snyder did, Zack Snyder did in 300 where he like slows it down so you get to see like all the cool shit and then speed it up again so it's fighting. 
they pick the exact right moments to slow down. Yeah, and it's also like the heavily stylized initial version, and then the real time is just like the the very grounded. The music stops, you know. Yeah, like snaps back to reality. Because it is like Jinx has got that. I'm still just playing a game, and it does also kind of show that Echo, while he's dealing with a lot of shit, is still that kid. He's like a kid trying to do these adult things. Yeah, I love Echo. He's so cool it's in so this cool. series. So fucking cool. Uh yeah, that was that was awesome. That really bookended the the episode well. Um I have, I have no no notes. Well done. Um there was a thing, I don't know if you get this because you don't really know the characters, but obviously mm. I know which characters are in the game. So I kind mm. of know which characters have kind of plot armor. Yeah. Um, so even with the, you know, there's a big explosion at the end. I'm like, okay, well, I know yes. they're not going to kill off these guys, you know. Yeah, for a moment, I, I realized they're not going to kill Jinx because Jinx seems to be like the flagship character for the game, um, as far as I can tell. And yeah, there's also like two episodes me... left. Like... Yeah, I was like, huh, that's, um, I kind of felt that Echo was in the game. I thought, I thought he'd be in the game. Um, so my initial thought was maybe, you know, they blow him up and he's missing an arm now or something. So I didn't think he was dead, but I did like that zero win draw that they um, end up with. So there's a really interesting thing where, so in the game, Echo has a very specific kind of set of powers and abilities, which are time related. The TV- it is time related, mm. hence the hourglass. Um, and it's interesting because they don't, obviously he doesn't have those same sort of powers in the show, um, yeah. but they kind of hinted at it with, I, I like the way they interpreted it with the the stopwatch and how he was kind of going back and they even did like a little rewind moment where like him as a kid, he failed it and like rewind it and they're like, okay, well now as an adult, now he's better. Yeah. I like that. <clears throat> It it uh, it felt like that was like a power that he had to me because he's doing the like there was a, such a heavy infl- uh, emphasis on the watch, yeah, and like the Jinx recognizes like oh I'm fascinated by this watch this is going to be a thing, um, yeah I had a sense that was something to do with the game, but I also like that idea that he's he's growing as a person that but it's also always in the back of his mind that he failed as a kid. Like, this is every time he does something, it's like, when I was a kid, I didn't, I, you know, that, the guy that took care of me got killed by whatever creepy thing that Silco had. And he failed. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. It was a good backstory. I need to show you, actually, um, when they released Echo as a character, they did a little animated short. I need to show you that as well. It's very, very good. Excellent. Is it in the style that they, they used? Uh, it's similar, yeah. Like, I think the, I think they're, they've got a lot of really good animated shorts, and I think those kind of inspired Arcane. They're kind of like finding their feet. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of this, this episode that's like, this is something that inspired it. Like the last part felt very music video to me. Yeah, that's its own little thing. Yeah, could yeah. easily just be its own thing. Now, I really want to talk about that fight scene in in more depth. Well, not in more in depth, but there's a, something I want to talk about, but I don't want to like jump to the end of it. What else was going on in this episode that we need to do? So, um, Batman. Bye and Kate, Batman. 
I'm Batman. 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 The Man Bat. <laughs> yes, Man Bat showed up. I like Man Bat. He was Bat. super cool. cool. I really liked yeah. his design. Yeah. And he's got a little baby. And yeah. He's got a little Man Bat baby. It was cute. I like I like that they've got these non-human characters who are just there with no explanation. Yeah, it's very like fifth element kind of like just fill the background yeah. with random crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. And like we had the the chef in um in a couple of episodes yeah. ago that they go to and now we got like Man Bat just fucking chilling. And it's yeah, it's cool. And it makes me think we had um the head of Stillwater Prison. Like he didn't quite look human. Oh yeah, that he was like weirdly, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, so maybe it's not just like a weird character design. Maybe he's not human. Maybe that's yeah. just, you know, there's people hanging out there. Anyway, so we got Man Bat. Um, yeah, Vi and, and Caitlin were prisoners of the Firelights for a bit, but then it turned out, you know, we're friends again, and Vi's ability to hug people to submission is um, is used to great effect. Um, there's, you know, Jace is shirtless. Um, yep, I have first <laughs> trap Jace in my notes. <laughs> yeah, I just have shirtless Jace is shirtless. Like why? <laughs> they really went. You know what? We need someone hot. We need we need the hotness this episode. It's not the horny episode, but we it need was something. a very yeah. It was like a very pointed sequence. Yeah, yeah. And even the the what's it? Don't lose your nuts. It's like yes, yeah. Mel. Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, what else? Oh yeah, Silco like maintains order over the the rest of the gangs. Oh yeah, they had the meeting with the other Cam Barons, which was super cool. Yep, that was pretty cool. Um, Victor decided to use Shimmer to make himself powerful enough to actually survive the healing process of his little Heck Core. Heck Core. Yep. I'm going to call it a Heck Core. Heck. Ah, yeah. uh-huh. oh, Heck. Ah, Heck. Um, and yeah, then that Caitlin managed to talk Echo into giving the little MacGuffin back to um to Piltover. Um yeah. How, okay, what this... is what is Silco's constitution score? That's what I want that's what I'm wondering. I reckon it's low. No, but he's got the the whole thing when he was meeting the Chem Barons. It's like he released this like toxic gas into the room or whatever. But he's fine. Right. He's just walking around. I want to talk about that scene in particular because that, to me, wasn't a great con score. He just has immunity to it. You reckon? Yeah. Okay, interesting. You think it's like a racial like, trait? Yeah. Yeah, I think... Well, here's the thing. I, If I was making Silco, I would make him like a revenant or some sort of undead creature. Okay. Like something that you knock down and it's able to stand back up. But like it takes a lot of abuse and it's able to to come back. And it does have these abilities like you can't poison it. So he's able to do cool shit like that when he needs to maintain control, like poison all the water in the room and he's going to stand up on top just because he's immune to it. It's that idea of when you've got something that a, a creature is strong against it uses that ability all the time. Like something that's immune to fire, yeah, it's going yeah. to burn down a house and just walk through the flames because that's cool and it can. That's a really interesting idea for... You can apply that to a lot of different kind of character types, especially if you want them 
to fill that Silco role of being like imposing yeah. and intimidating. Like you could have a fire Genasi, you know, bad guy, and his room is just like sweltering hot, you know, and it's like, but for him, it's fine. <laughs> but everyone yeah. else is super uncomfortable. Yeah. I had a, a fire Genasi who was dating in a free. And it's like, yeah, because, you know, it's yeah. a fire spirit. He's a fire spirit. It's like, that kind of makes sense. Everyone else would just get burned up. But these, these two, they're happy. Yeah, so I love that, that scene, though. That was a great. Yeah. I don't know. There was I saw it coming so easily. Like, I mean, they telegraphed it really well. Um, But, yeah, I like that he was so blasé about it all that that he was very clearly going to send his message, but he just kind of came along and he wasn't even like addressing any of their concerns. He was just like, cool, I just need to smack you down a bit and then I'm going to go about my business. This is just what I've got to do today. Yeah. Um, and it was just a nice little kind of character building. And then we see some other interesting background characters again, especially that like kind of the very tattered up kind of gangster guy. Yeah, what's his name? I want to say Fang. I, th- I think it's Finn. Finn. That makes that's probably where I got it from. Yeah, um, and again, super cool characterization of the, you know, the metal jaw. The other guys, yeah, sort of the, the augments and stuff like that. Is it a metal jaw or is it like a little like bridge or something that he puts over his chin? I reckon it would be like an actual prosthetic. Oh, so you reckon he doesn't have like a lower jaw? Yeah, I think so. I think that's more on brand for Zone. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. I'm impressed that he's managed to rise to this level of power with like missing half his face. Like that's that's a significant like loss. Yeah, he's actually a really nice guy. It's it's a he real like he'd be a really story. nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does seem like these are the people that Silco's put in power. You reckon? Or he's just yeah. like allowed them. I think, well, that's the thing. If he allows them, it's because he wants them there. Like, he knows he can control them. But he's, like, kind of supported them in different ways to go, no, no, you owe your position to me. So, and I can take it away like this. Yeah. And this is, like, him realizing they're getting too big for their boots. I'm going to, you know, smack them all down. And Finn being the example, like, the leader of that. Now, I do want to talk about, like, the poison he uses. Because D&D in particular is not one that uses poison particularly well. Oh, no. Everything is immune or resistant to poison in D&D. Yeah, I think it's because poison in particular, when you're a game master using poison against players, it's not fun for the players. And one of the things that D&D is very strong about is let's make it fun for the players no matter what. Yeah. And, like, poison, if you've got the poison condition in D&D, you have disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws, I think. No, sorry, on skill checks as well. Um, Yeah, it's like everything, yeah. Yeah, and that sucks. People hate not being able to do stuff. And I'm trying to work out, what are some more interesting ways of using poison? Like, you could have a poison which doesn't really affect you, but in in five days you're going to die. Like, you have those five days. Okay. And that's when you've got to find the cure and do all the stuff. But it's like, until then, you're going to be functioning on full cylinders. 
But I yeah, that's like um, what is it, mummy rot kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does feel like a little bit in D and D, poison is something that happens to other people. Yeah, and honestly, there's I'm looking now. There's like a lot of different types of poison, but they all kind of just do the same thing. Like yeah, yeah. And they're very. Um, this is something that will happen to other NPCs and a PC maybe get infected with it. Yeah. Like if they're really unfortunate or they make mistakes or whatever. And I'm thinking particularly of the film Crank. All of us okay. know the film Crank with Jason Statham where he, I'm trying to remember, does he get like injected with cocaine or something? <laughs> something happens where his heart rate can't drop below a certain level or he'll just die. So he's got to run around and do all this crazy stuff and like defibrillate himself. It is amazing. It is literally that's the concept it's like of speed, it. It's like speed, but it's like a person. Yeah, yeah. He essentially goes, "Cool, you're already dead. Um, now go and get vengeance." And it's it's really cool because it's like that full on high octane. If he slows down, he is going to die. So he's got to be driving fast. He's got to be doing this stuff to keep his heart rate up. And it's weird as fuck sometimes, but really fun. Um, and I'd like to see some poisons like that, like where you get, or in in Assassin's Creed, um, where you can give someone a poison and just makes them go berserk and like lash out at everyone around you, around them. And it's like that to a to a party is amazing. Like maybe it only lasts for a turn or two in combat. But having someone sneak in and just stab the the barbarian and then run off while he starts slaughtering his friends, like that that makes it more fun for the game master to be able to go, okay, you were poisoned for a little bit and you just kind of lashed out. It like makes it more interesting ideas rather than just you take some damage. Yeah, and you can just use like different spells as a base for that as well, honestly. Like mm. just reflavor spells. I mean, confusion. That's basically yeah. just the confusion spell. Or um, but you just make it not cloud. not obvious. Yeah, yeah, stinking cloud. It's like cool. You're just going to be vomiting heavily for the next two turns. Yeah. No, I like that. I think yeah, that, I because default yeah. poison is pretty uninspiring. Yeah. So I feel make them interesting and make them maybe a little bit mechanical, but also. I think it's if you're going to use poisons in combat, you want them to last just a short period. If you want poisons to actually be a threat, like what do you reckon you do? Do you really want them to have to te- like have a taste tester for every meal? Or yeah, I mean that's the other thing, right? Where it becomes you risk it becoming tedious, like the the whole mimic situation of like let's yeah. stab every door and chest before Fuck we those open doors it. and chests. Yeah. yeah. Which, honestly, you should be doing anyway. It doesn't matter if it's going to be a mimic or not. Yeah. It's good That's practice. Just, yeah, it's just good practice. You never know if it's going to explode. And Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking there's a um, a book series, a duology by Sam Hawke, um, called Empire City of Lies. City of Lies is the first one. But it's called the Poison War series. And it is fantastic because it is about the main characters are poisonous. And they're trying to solve a mystery. And that, to me, is more fun a uh, use of a poison in in a role playing game, where it's again it's happened to someone else, 
but you've got to do the investigation to figure out, well, how did they get it administered? How does it, you know, how does it um, affect the body? How do we stop it? How do we cure it? Okay, interesting. Um, that, how does that work out? <laughs> well, I think it's more, you do have the investigation check. Like, you have a few steps. It might be an investigation check of, oh, look, this person's been poisoned, but now they're okay. Or they're, they're in a coma or something. And you figure it out, okay, this is the this is what poisoned them. Who did it? Like, who's the... Then you've got the who okay. done it. And then yeah, slowly yeah. other people start to get poisoned. And you realize it's the same thing, or maybe it's a different one. And you're like, okay, well, is there a connection between it? So you have a full murder mystery. And the poison isn't the point of it, but the poison is the catalyst. And you've also now got to be aware because somebody is poisoning people and you've got to work out, well, if you were rolled high enough, you know how it's being administered so you can watch for that. But if you don't, then you've got to be careful. It reminds me of um, one of the best Discworld series books, um, which is Feet of Clay. And spoilers for Feet of Clay, so skip ahead if you don't want to be spoiled for that. A thief, you just have to suffer. Uh, yep. Basically, someone is being poisoned by candles. Um, there's arsenic in the candles, so as they burn down, the arsenic gets released into the room, and it basically invisibly kills people. Oh, and it's like no one's gonna, yeah, it's a it's a super spoiler, but this is a thing that actually happened. Like this is something that really happened with some candles that people were getting poisoned by their candles. So not that much of a spoiler if you know your history or just read the book. Because, you know, I definitely knew that before I read the book. Um, but that idea that you have something that's very innocuous and you can only find, like, with a particular check, but slowly, if you, as more and more things happen, you start to pick the pieces together and then it becomes revealed who the person is that's doing it. And you're able to find those connections there. Yeah, I guess that's like the old-timey equivalent of, like, carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, like gaslighting to the air. Full on um, gaslighting. I think it also it's a great opportunity to like it makes me think of all the different like tool proficiencies you get in D D. Yeah. And how those are like so rarely kind of utilized to their full effect. Um because with a poisoner's kit, most of the time you think of like, you know, how how can this help me in combat? How can I increase my DPS? You know? How yeah. can I make a poison? Um but I'm looking so at it now last, with like the last four yeah, games I've had rules. someone's asked that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's not a lot of rules <laughs> that specifically address that either. Because um, that's what 5e is like. Um, but there's stuff here about, yeah, it's about like recall information about famous poisonings. Um, when you treat a victim of poison, you know, you get added insight on how to best provide the best care to that patient and stuff like that. And. Yeah, there's just like a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, the Xanathar's rules for the kind of expanded rules and the tool and kit proficiencies is is very, very useful. It's telling that they had to wait until the expanded rules before any of that was available. Yeah. Like, I feel that they did not expect people to want to do any of this stuff. And then it's part of that other problem as well that I have with 5e where a lot of this kind of more mundane stuff just gets very quickly superseded by very low-level spells. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, and suddenly you got like, to have oh, this poison is resistant to magic, and you can't use lesser yeah. restoration. And it's but it's just like you know who needs thieves' tools when you've got knock and you know stuff yeah. like that, and yeah, yeah. I like that 
still as like maybe going back to the example of feet of clay this is something that happens regularly like they're like cool we changed this thing and we cured you and now you're better and the next morning oh shit you're sick again so that repeated poisoning it's like well i don't then again you've got that that again that mystery of how does this keep happening when we're taking these measures how do we we keep curing you and that's okay but someone's coming after you and we have no idea who or how they're getting to you so what the hell is going on so i guess yeah, with that example that- it's it's mundane as well so there isn't really a is there a find poison spell or detect poison oh there would be a detect I think there poison used to be. There? i think there used to be but i don't think there is anymore Oh, there's Detect Poison and Disease. It's first level in a ritual. Fucking great. Gross. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about, you know? Like, yeah. But again... Not that anyone would have that prepared. Like, yeah. That only detects that you have been poisoned. It doesn't detect, like, who did it. So I feel that poison is... Mechanically, it's boring. Like, mechanically in D&D, and probably in every game, honestly... Like, no one wants to be like, cool, my organs are shutting down. This is a great game. But finding out where it's coming from, that's the mystery. That's the game that people want to play. Um, How do you do that in a way that makes the player feel clever for figuring it out? Or their character? Because it's not the player that's figuring that out, you know. Well, sometimes it's the player. Sometimes. Probably not for the arsenic candle. I'm just going to put it out there. No, arsenic candle. I mean, that... Okay, look. (laughs) To be fair, even the main characters don't figure that out for a very long time. That's kind of the point of it. Like, it's not just, oh, of course, it's that. It's like, a lot of people die, and it's the entire course of the book that, that this person doesn't figure it out. So it's over the course of a week. Like, that's... Yeah. Um, okay, so how do you make... How do you make them feel smart? I think, I mean, you give them suspects for one thing. You don't just have some random crazy person doing it, being ableist there. Uh, But I don't know, actually. I don't know how I'd do it. I'd need to have a lot of thought about how to... I think if you can determine... If you can give them the opportunity to figure out how it's being administered and put in and let them decide how to stop it. You give them that the agency of, okay, you figured out these clues. What do you do about it? Okay. I think you can do it um, by pulling away a specific member of the party and telling them in secret. Um, You know, you rolled the checks, you find this out, and then you can let them have the reveal to everyone else oh yeah yeah i like that idea yeah um, sorry that's that's a much otherwise yeah otherwise you can kind of you don't have to pull them away you can kind of drip feed them and instead of just outright telling them you kind of slowly build your way towards it so that they can kind of finish your train of thought like i had a thing where they were looking for a, a red dragon and he's in like a an underground volcano you know like long since thought dormant and they're yeah. like oh like where is he i wonder where he is like we're, we're trying to figure out and i had like the druid he was just like outside kind of meditating sitting in the shade of a tree and i'm like the earth feels strangely warm here um mm. now that you're kind of sitting on the bare earth and he's and then the player you know was smart enough to kind of pick up and he's like 
can I look up at the the peak of this mountain? I'm like, yeah, sure. It's like, is it covered in snow? Well, no, no. Are the neighboring mountains nearby covered in snow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, and that was like fully just him coming up with that. I'm like, that's a fucking great little hint. Like, yeah, it's just I'll let you come up with that. Yeah, I like that breadcrumbing idea as well. But like, see where their minds are going, and if you can tell that they've cottoned on, let lead them to the the same solution. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's good. That's a good way of doing it. Um, like maybe you just yeah, tell I them that like... it's it's something to do with a candle, you know? Like you don't give them the specifics. Yeah. Yeah, with the, the candles. No, I don't think you would. I think it's very clear you've <laughs> got to give them this this is the example. Like you tell them what the poison is. And you're like, "Okay, cool. It's arsenic." And you're like, well, fuck, what's arsenic? Like, it's a, it's a powder or it's some sort of, like, liquid. So we figure out ways that it's going to be liquid. And you're like, okay, well, these are some of the things that are liquid in here. You've got the drinks. You've got the got the poisons. You, so the poisons. Of course, you've got the poisons. You've got the candles. You've got the, the inkwells, like that kind of stuff. And then they check each one of them. Yeah. But, yeah, I, yeah, leading them through. But arsenic hmm. is natural. It's... Okay, look, that's not a great example. Mushrooms. Mushrooms are natural and they're poisonous. Too soon? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Oh, jeez, yeah. (laughs) Let's move on. We could keep going about about poison uh, for a while because there are other stuff I want to talk about. Uh, So Silco had a box of arsenic candles that he lit. Yes, he did. Or the equivalent of. I think poison gas in particular is really scary because it's... um, because it's invisible. Uh, and on invisibility, this is just a random aside, there was a case of invisible fire in NASA. In NASA? Uh, in NASA, yeah. Some gas got out and it basically caught on fire, but when it burned, it was invisible. So you could walk into a room and catch fire and not understand why. And I've seen there was, this, yeah. Yeah, there was an actual test where basically you had to walk around with a broom in front of you, and if the broom caught fire, you knew you'd found a pocket. Jesus, that's terrifying. That is awesome. I want to do that to characters. <laughs> like, oh, you just walked in, you're on fire now. <laughs> yeah, that'd be so confused. Yeah. <laughs> so confused. It'd be wonderful. Uh, and speaking of weapons and technology, I did like that they had that ethical dilemma of should we use hex tech for 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 weapons to um to deal with the the undercity. Yeah, that became the the kind of the direction of hex tech. <laughs> it's like every yeah, time like- every time with hex tech there's just like a new fucking ethical dilemma that pops up. They're just like, "No." I like that that was kind of where they took it because you can see it coming for a while for these episodes like that seems to be the crux of this is the mistake that jace will make of he's going to have to give away his his beliefs to for security and that's going to end up causing this massive war which i assume the games are about um but i did like that victor in particular is like fuck no i'm going to inject drugs into my veins and like do horrible things but no i'm drawing the line at weapons yeah, Victor has his own kind of specific code where it's like human experimentation, totally fine. Making a gun? No. No, that's not cool. I'm making humans better. The guns just kill them. 
Um, and then you've got more of that classic, you know, again, the, the contrast and the parallels and characters. You've got Jason Victor in the whole, yeah. like, I, but I'm from Zorn. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. they're monsters, are they? But I'm from the Undersea. They're breaking up. It's really sad. Yeah. I think it was um, telling what? that Mel was very, cl- like, heavily in that scene as well. Not, like, acting, but very much there. Yep. Like, that um, was a, a nice little touch. It's like the, their bro love is, um, their science bro romance is starting to to crack because a girl got involved. Yeah, Jason's gone on a real roller coaster. Like, he was yeah. getting kicked out of the academy and now he's, like, head of the council or whatever. Yeah, there's the rags to riches story. His grandfather's made hammers, you know. Yeah, hammer man. Hammer man. Oh, my God. Wait, no, wait. Is that his thing? Is he hammer man? Is he hammer man? What do you mean hammer man? Like, does he get like a giant hammer? Does he? Oh, I don't know. Maybe he will find <laughs> out in the next episode. <laughs> okay. That would be awesome. Uh, and he just has to walk around shirtless all the time. That's pretty much it. So another an element. Um, this is just a, a random aside. But when, when Jinx is like stapling her wounds up after the fight, um, that's the next episode no no it's this episode she has a staple no, gun of not. healing it's this episode because it's when she it's like a, oh it's at the start yeah. right, right right yeah she's at the start right. she's stapling the wound in her was, leg yeah. and she looks up and sees the firelight it's like oh my gosh and that gives her the idea for all the little bugs and i was just like she has a staple gun of healing like <laughs> i love that yeah. idea it's a big staple gun there's no way it's for anything else no like what else would you, I mean? You could, I guess, be stapling metal in, or but it seems it reminds me. Um, again, Lobo from DC Comics. He basically he was so tough. He went to hell and beat everyone up, and then he went to heaven and beat everyone up. And they said you're not allowed back, so he can't die anymore. Uh, and he has a staple gun of healing, where anytime he dies, he just has to staple himself back together. And that's what it made me think of. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> But I like that idea of giving characters like, yeah, you've got to have this magical item, but it is ridiculous. Like this can, this will give you the equivalent of a healing word, but you do have to staple something to your face. That'd be great if you were doing like a an office kind of parody, like a corporate parody type game. Yes, yeah, the, the stapler of healing, or yeah, you close your wounds with like the glue stick of of uh, health. <laughs> Oh my god, that is there is a thing about using glue to to keep wounds or something. Oh yeah, super glue, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that's like in um, yeah. the old guard or something. So yeah, apparently it's apparently that's a thing. Um you just <laughs> have someone raid office works in a cyberpunk campaign, like, no no no, we're going here for healing. What other stuff would there be? Like the whole punch of <laughs> Fireball. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, definitely sticky tape. The sticky tape bandages. Okay. What? Um, what if it's not healing related? All right. Um, ooh, that makes like it just a different healing magic system. item. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking something to do with rubber bands. The rubber band of catapult. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. Could be nice the <laughs> instead of like the immovable rod, it'd be like the immovable paperweight. Like. Yeah. Yeah, you just can't shift this thing. 
That's that's a good one, actually. Like you just put it on top of something, and that thing is just stuck there. Like, yeah, the pen of persuasion is always a good one. You can, you know, oh, get yeah. ability advantage on your persuasion checks, but only for stuff that's written down. Um, oh, I'm just thinking of what's at Office Works recently. It's all laptops that I go for, so it's not as exciting. Something to do with a ruler. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just the metal rule. Like all you have, you have a short sword that's just a metal ruler. Or it could be like an enlarge reduce type spell, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's the, um, there's a, there's a spell like fabricate. Fabricate's a spell, right? Like that an artificer can Yeah, do. you like make a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you got the 3D printer of fabrication. <laughs> sure. <laughs> this episode sponsored by Officeworks. Sponsored by Officeworks, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that was just a nice touch to it. And what else really happened? I mean, there was the the riots. Everything seems... All the tension starting to kick up. How do you, like, describe the tension between... Like, there's, there's definitely riots about to break out because of the bridges getting closed in the last episode. But how do you describe that in a game how do you get that feeling of a powder keg to your players um i don't know actually it's pretty tough uh it's funny because a similar thing is happening in my campaign at the moment they're literally in piltover and there's rising tensions so so you should know uh, that's what i'm saying yeah i have no idea i have no idea what i'm doing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember our, my game master had something similar, which we wanted to see that a city was on edge, and we'd been gone from the city for a couple of days, so we saw like people smashing shops, and like um, we were riding through the co- like the streets in a carriage because we were going somewhere else, and we were like special. Um, so we're seeing all this other stuff. So we see like smash shops, and we see like people running wild, and then he just mentions that there's three dogs like tearing a guy apart in an alley. I'm like. Dogs don't go that quick. Like, even the dogs are rioting. Fucking hell. The dogs know, yeah. <laughs> dogs know what's going on. And no one else um, seemed to register that. So I kept bringing up, like, dude, I saw some dogs, like, fucking with pic- placards earlier. Um, oh, I think okay. you make... Listen to this. Um, I think you make, like, the simple things more difficult than they normally would be. So, like, yeah. even if you're just trying to get from point A to point B, you know, all of a sudden there's just a blockades that you have to pass through. Or if you just want to go to the shop to buy, like, some super basic item, you know, if you're not from yeah. that part of town, they make it really difficult for you and they ask you a lot of questions, things like that. I think also you either do it all at once, like you drop having to go through, like, three checkpoints just to get to go buy some rope, because ventures always need rope. Um, you drop it all at once, or you have that slow buildup that they have to start to take account for, and then each time it changes, it's another stress. Yeah. Um, especially just stuff like anything that's kind of bureaucratic, like, oh, do you have your proper papers? You know, you need a license for this and that sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, what the... You have to go do this, and yeah. And especially because it might be something so simple for them to do, but you just make sure that they know... Like, you get stopped, and it's like, have you got your papers? And you go, yeah, I've got my papers. And like, cool, keep going. And then, like... 10 steps later, someone else stops you as well. So they know that this is this is happening. I'm thinking particularly Dragon Heist. Uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist has a section in the first chapter where you're going about your business and you're just, you know, trying to find a missing person. And it specifically has 
a little point where you come down a road and it's been blocked off by the watch and they're arresting some people after like a street brawl. And the point is, it's nothing to do with the adventure. It's just there to deter, like to show this is what the state of the city is like right now, that there are street brawls between gangs. Yeah. The problem is player characters. Player characters yeah, tend to want to get involved with stuff. Um, like, before I get distracted, so you mentioned Crank before, and while we're just talking about really amazing movies, um, there's also a great scene from Jupiter Ascending. I don't know if you've ever watched it. I've seen Jupiter um, Ascending. Fucking werewolf rollerbladers. Yeah. The um, the bureaucracy scene is so good yes. in that movie. Like The the rest of the movie is pretty pretty suspect, but the bureaucracy scene How is, dare, is very, very How good. dare you? How dare you? That is the best 14-year-old fanfic ever. Um, oh, the bureaucracy gosh, scene is amazing. But uh, yeah. Um, yes, everyone watch Jupiter Ascending. It is actually just as bad as you think it is. Uh, Do you think it's better or worse than Valyrian and City of a Thousand Suns? Uh, I think it is about the same. Um, I would say it's, it's probably... It's, on par it's very with, uh, similar. I yeah. would say it's on par with Divergent. More like... I guess it is more of like a, a YA type, yeah. It's super... It is literally... Like someone took the stories I was writing when I was 13 years old and put them on screen. <laughs> like, it is um, spot on, that teen- That's a real disservice, disservice to yourself as a 13-year-old, yeah. Fuck, I was 13, it's, like, it's fine. Look, you know what? After this, we are doing Jupiter Ascending as like a special episode. So, all right, you, you've got yourself into it now, Thief. Um, let's go back to the, the tension building where I was saying that the dragon, Waterdeep Dragon Heist has this scene and player characters want to involve themselves. So I feel like, like the example I mentioned before with the dogs, there was a moment where one character was like, we should stop and help that guy. And we're like, no, we've got to, we've got to keep going. We've got stuff to do. We can't get involved with this stuff. No, do it. Let's roll initiative for the three dogs. Yeah, <laughs> the three dogs and the guy who's probably going to try to mug us afterwards. But that's the thing. It's like, do you? How do you make sure that you're you show it just as flavor and not part of the plot that the the characters need to interact with? Um, that's tricky. I mean, I guess if your players are like that, some players are just going to take that bait anyway, regardless. But I think in yeah. that instance, you know, there's a lot of responsibility on the game master to run things. But I feel like as a player, you need to also have a bit of responsibility in terms of the, the sort of leads you follow up on. Like, yeah. not that there's a, an objectively wrong or right answer to that, but more kind of, yeah, you know, like, okay, we've got, we have bigger fish to fry, you know, like. Yeah. I think another way of doing it is to show that it's happening sort of off camera. Like you don't have the dogs attacking that guy. You have that guy already dead and the dogs are eating his body. Oh, yeah. Like, it's too late, like, yeah. Yeah, it's too late. It's like, this is something that's already happened. Or you're going past a, a shop and you see the windows are already smashed and everything's been taken. Instead of you actually see the looting approach. take place. Yeah. Yeah, because then it becomes kind of the background of the scene. Or you hear the roar of the riot, like, four blocks over. And it's like, yeah. you're not actually witnessing it. And then if you do want to have an encounter, that's when you have it come to the players. 
Like they're coming down the street and suddenly this riot is coming towards them. It's like, well, what do you do? Like, do you try to get away? Do you fight them? It's like, now you have to interact. I think it's, um, I think I've said this before in a few episodes that an encounter, an encounter requires the players to have choice. So if you want to, if you want to just let them not get involved at all, you don't give them choice. Like you just say, that's something that already happened. That's a really that's something good that's going on rule elsewhere. of thumb, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm saying is remove the agency from your players and just tell them a story. And then when you <laughs> want them to play again, you want to collaborate. Okay, here's the crumbs I'm giving you now. <laughs> All right, cool. I, I, I'm I, done with that section. Uh, unless you've got anything else to say about that. No, that's, a, like that's a really good a way. Hole. It's a really good way of thinking about it. It's something that I've not really kind of consciously thought about, but that's like the perfect way of putting it. Yeah. Just choice yeah. or no choice. Yeah, there's um, and yeah, you that way you can sort of guide them into the encounters you want them to have, and the ones that are important to to the story. Yeah. Uh, speaking of important to the story, uh, Marcus finally meets his end because uh, he seems like a key <sighs> element in this. He just didn't his... get the redemption arc. Honestly, I'm a little disappointed. He didn't. I was. Oh, he kind of did. He was starting to. He obviously like felt really bad about pulling a gun on Caitlin. Yeah, but then he did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he had to. And then he was all like, tell my daughter I... Yeah. I'm dead. Tell my daughter I'm dead? I mean, that, that seems like um, something that you're just going to find I was out. A little, I was a little disappointed in Marcus's character arc. I think that he could have... They could have given him more of a redemption, I think. I think that was the point. That he doesn't get to have the redemption. Yeah. So he this doesn't is have coloured hair. Sh- yeah, he doesn't have coloured hair. He's Australian. Um, shit things happen. That seems to be the, the point of this this story. Yeah. And how do you feel about giving characters last words if they, you're going to kill them? I'm a, I've got a reputation yeah. as a lethal game master, so I tend to give people a lot of last words. Yeah, I think it's great. People love having the last word just in, yeah. for everything in life. All right, you've got. When was the last time you played as a char- as a player character? Like a while ago. <laughs> okay, I so you don't have like you don't have character. What would you your villain? Would you give your villain last words? Um, yeah, probably. I think most of the time, depending on depends on the villain. It depends on the situation, I guess. Some some are not talkers, you know. Yeah, yeah, they don't have a tongue. Oh, no. <laughs> I do have certain last words planned out for a few characters. Like, okay. as, as yeah. a player, like, I'm aware if they go down, they're going to get to say this, and that's it. And um, one of them is, it doesn't hurt too bad. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, last words. Um, or don't bring me back. That's going to be another good We one. had, um, at the start of my last session, we did, like, a little... Because there was a boss fight coming up, and we'd had a few weeks off, so rather than just jumping straight into the boss fight, we did a little flashback sequence, just some like character building RP stuff. Um, I gave the player some prompts, you know, and I was like, okay, you can go back to any point during the campaign, pick any characters, you know, any point in time, just have a little interaction. And a lot of them picked, you know, they would do, they would talk to characters who had like eventually passed and stuff like that. And there was a lot of like, I bet we're going to be friends forever, you know, and then like uh-huh. fast forward. Yeah. There's a lot of that. <laughs> I think players will, yeah, players will naturally kind of tend towards that stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
It's I like the the lost last words when it is stuff like that when it's like we're going to be friends forever and the irony of it and then Marcus's tell my daughter I uh. it's like you don't get to have like, cool last words sometimes I like cryptic last words like yeah like even if it just doesn't make any sense but it's like what the fuck did he mean by that like yeah kiss me Hardy uh, stuff like that or um you've seen Knives Out right uh yes. Yeah, and the the last words of someone and makes it sound like it's a threat when it's actually a, a um a revelation. That's a, that's oh, yeah. a nice little yeah. one. Yeah. Uh now, I did want to go on from that to the fight scene with Jinx and Echo and now that we're at kind of at the end of the episode. But that idea that they're not fighting to kill each other at the start. They are at the end, obviously. But they're fighting for control of that little satchel with the gem in it. Yeah. And I like that idea when, particularly when you have a particularly powerful foe who's not interested in killing the party, they just wants an item that they have. And the pow- party aren't particularly powerful enough to take it from them once they get it, or not, not to kill them, sorry, but they might be able to get it from them. How would you work that? How would you, like, have someone try to make sleight of hand, try to distract them, not make an attack against the against the creature, but attack against the thing they're holding. Like, would you change up the combat, or would you just say, "Cool, if you get manage to hit them, you're able to swap it back, and if they or you're able to grab it, and if they hit you back, they're going to get it back from you." Um, I think all of those are valid kind of ways of approaching it. Um, it depends on. Yeah, I guess I feel like that one. It's a bit. There's not much room for creativity, I think, in terms of like how you know what's a sneaky way for me to take it, or if it's in combat, um, maybe outside of combat, perhaps you can be a bit more creative in how you disguise something or steal something, kind of heist, heist esque, like Blades in the Dark. Um, yeah. Thanks for the, the hit there. Yeah, get those tags. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Honestly, I... how would you do it? Yeah. I think. Out of combat, it's a lot more frenetic, and a lot of the time it actually stresses me running stuff like that, because it always feels like I'm focusing on whoever has the item. Whoever has the MacGuffin, I've got to be like, okay, cool, they're doing this to you, and you're going to be doing this, and what do you do about that? And everyone else at the table either has to kind of chime in with, oh, chuck it to me. So that's where the focus is, rather than... um, having that element of everyone's actually running around and playing keep away. Yeah. I think so, on every hit is a pretty interesting, pretty interesting yeah. one. I you like would have to design. Hit. Yeah. I think if you design around it as well, specifically add, you know, bad guys that have a lot of chances to hit, might not do a lot of damage, but can move around and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it might be a case of, okay. So you get, it's a little bit more that, um, that barroom fight where the villain comes in with his his thugs and then you've got like the hero or the couple of heroes and like take this hit and it spins out and it flies across the room and someone else has to get it. So maybe you go, okay, if I hit you like a certain amount, then it flies out of the room or I get to choose who grabs it next. Like for every yeah. hit, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go to someone. But whoever did the hit gets to decide who gets it. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, 
And I like that because it means you can have like the villain come in and do a good punch and just flick it over to one of his thugs. And then the thugs got it. And it's like, well, the thugs probably not going to be as hard to hit. So it's easy for the players to to do that. But then if they give it to one of them, then everyone's going to swarm them. And if they do it smart, they can flick it between the thugs as everyone starts like beating each other up and it becomes like a full brawl. Yeah. I, I, I that's like a it, really, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to come up with a situation where, where that's cool. Cause of course, then you get mage hand as well, where somebody's just going to go, I grab it on my turn. It's like, yeah, you can. And as soon as you get hit, it's going to be flying somewhere else. Yeah. So now it becomes everyone's got to protect that guy. Yeah, I like that. It suddenly becomes a tactical tactical thing. Now I just got to come up with a situation where it's going to get used. Because <laughs> personally, I hate MacGuffins like that. It's like the worst fucking trope ever to have something that's completely useless, but everyone wants. It feels a bit like the... <laughs> what all this conversation is just reminding me of, like, the golden snitch from Harry Potter. Like, everybody's yeah. just chasing after this. Which, why... Yeah. Okay, why? Let's rant about Harry Potter for a second. Yes, let's. Why do- would you not just have everyone on the team try and catch the Golden Snitch? Like, why? Because then it would be over so quickly. Like, why would you? Yeah, and then there's like, I think there's an anecdote in one of the books where they talk about the game because the game doesn't end until you catch the Snitch. They talked yeah. about like the world's longest game went for like a month or something like that or a week. Yeah, because they just couldn't catch. And it's like that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, what are you talking about? I think they said the World Cup goes for, went for a week once. Like, they're expecting it to go, like, yeah. a really long time. That's why they all have tents and, like, fucking everything. Can you imagine that? It's like, oh, I got to go get a nap. Oh, it's they like caught the fucking, snitch. So like, oh, three way cricket. Three hours it's like in. watching cricket. So, you know, yeah, it British, is kind yeah. of. That explains a lot. Oh, uh, no, this the snitch is the stupidest fucking thing. And also, yeah. why only certain people are good at it? It's like, great, so you're the only person that's important on the team. Just uh, FYI, you're the chosen one. Oh, wait, you're yep. also the chosen one? Okay, let's not get into like the the special people of, of Harry Potter and the fact that no one actually changes anything. They're just trying to fight for the status quo. And that's very much three... about the neoliberal. Anyway. If there's three hoops for the goals, why not just put three people in front of each hoop instead of one person trying to cover all three? You know? like Because you can fly. And there's only two yeah, balls. You can just put... Wait. You can put one, one person in front can... Yeah, but the the goals, there's like three hoops they can get it through, but there's only one keeper. So why not just put three keepers so they each get one hoop and they can cover all of them? Like That seems like a legitimate tactic. You just pull a couple yeah. of people back and just sit in the goal with the like those big clubs things they just got. Just play defense. Just watch yeah. the hoops while you try and catch a snitch. Oh, that's stupid. Anyway. Secondly, how do, what happens if somebody else catches the snitch? All right, this is a lesson. If you're trying to design a fantasy sport, like just don't. Yeah, just don't. Just make it the exact same sport you already have yeah. and like put spikes also, on the ball or something. Also, yeah, a lot of the people that are interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons probably not super interested in sport. Just that's a there's a lot of, you know, in Venn diagram. I, I would beg to differ. I think if it's a fantasy sport, super interested. Like fantasy football. Like fantasy like football. Your, yeah, like Blood Bowl and like Blitz Bowl. Oh, and I thought all you meant like the, the stats, like, like footy tipping. That too. Like, I feel that there's a big crossover between people who like to work out all the statistics and likelihood of things and people who play D&D, or it used to be anyway. Uh, people yeah. who remembered all the stats of a certain player through a different season, that was very much the D&D um, audience for many years in the 80s. It's, uh, yeah, it's 
fantasy sports. I want to have a game, like a, an RPG game, where you're basically managing, like it is, you're managing a team. Um, you're the manager and like the staff, kind of Ted Lasso. But your adventures are like sabotaging the other team or rescuing your star player from somebody else or like trying to get enough money to actually go on tour. Okay. That's like as a campaign or like a yeah, little as a campaign. Game? As a campaign. Sure. Like so one player is the manager and and everyone else is a player or something or huh? Maybe everyone else is a player or, or um everybody else is like the fitness like maybe the cleric is the the head doctor. Um and like the paladin oh, is like yeah. the quarterback like or the something. Physio. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool, guys, I've heard about this like really cool like pair of boots that's in a dungeon somewhere, so we're gonna have to go get them before the next match. <laughs> okay. It have to be a sure. team sport. Like I think that'd be cool. I've just realized where that comes from. There was a cartoon way back in the nineties where it was King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table. And it was basically an American football team and they get sucked back into Camelot. And they have to become King Arthur and his knights. So it's kind of the reverse of that, where it's a football team who have to become heroes. I've not heard of this. No one has. It's really not great. But I obviously really enjoyed that. Because they had like, it was full on, let's sell toys kind of thing. Oh, for sure. It's like everyone's got their own like massive catapult that they fire. And yeah, like special moves that each of the knights have. Like one of them's able to like, I don't know, catapult himself forward and use himself as a battering ram it's th- that kind of stuff it's like that scene in flash gordon where they're trying there's like the MacGuffin, and he's playing football which flash gordon is this the um the tv series uh it's the movie yeah oh the original movie okay i haven't seen that in a yeah. very long time so i don't remember it um i feel that we've started to go off the rails now so maybe now is the time to wrap it up no. <laughs> Um, with the last thing that we do in every episode, and that is pick a character from the episode that we just watched and give them the critical hit or critical fail award, uh, for the episode. And I'm going to go first because if you are sick and I suspect you might've forgotten this section of the, of the episode, um, Never. so to give you time to, to think about this, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to give the critical hit to Caitlin, um, for convincing Echo to give up the gem. Cause she's all like, I'm from... Piltover, and I'm very sorry that you've been oppressed by us. And he doesn't seem to be on board with it at all, but she does, she, you know, convinces him. And she takes a lot of the blame onto her, not onto herself, but onto them. And she tells him what he wants to hear. So that was good thinking for Caitlin. And obviously, uh, V was totally into it and is going to fuck her later. In Vi. Vi, sorry. <laughs> I've been all, really good lately. I've been really good me- lately at getting it right. It took me so long. I had one player in my campaign who just kept calling her V. It's like we had to keep telling him. It was v- and then as soon as he watched Arcane, it's like, oh, it's Vi. Yeah. Yeah. It's Vi for violence. Yeah. Vi stands That's for Vi violence. Vi stands for violence. Um, I had less thoughts about them, their, their shippiness this episode, but they were still very shippy. Like the hug on the bridge. Fucking hell. I was just like, just fucking make out already. Like, Caitlin has, like, a lingering touch on her cheek as she lit. I'm like, you don't do that with someone you just met unless you're fucking. Like, just, it's that simple. Anyway. Uh, uh, so, sure. who did you pick? 
Um, oh, there's a lot of maybe Echo in that fight because kind of yeah, everything went, yeah, everything went the Every, way he wanted it to go until the very end, which he should have realized. Honestly. honestly, or maybe even Jinx's sleight of hand, as we kind of later. I can't remember if it's the end of this episode or the the start of the next one, where you realize that she still got the the gemstone. Um. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember whether it's the start of this one. No, it must be the yeah. start of the next this next one. Uh, spoilers for next week's episode. Spoilers, um, but that's the one that's we're a, to. That's a nat twenty sleight of hand for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's again sleight of hand coming into that that idea of playing keep away it's like okay maybe you have advantage on to hold on to it or something uh, yeah, yeah there's a lot of ways to do it uh cool so join us next week when we'll talk more about that no doubt uh for episode eight oil and water you can find us anywhere podcasts are found um but leaving a review for it would be wonderful that's uh five stars so more people can find us thanks to the algorithm uh and leave a review too if you'd like and i'll read it out on camera not, not on camera, not on, on audio. I don't want to get on camera. Uh, we are brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service in Melbourne. You can find us at PAX Australia, uh, where you can come and have a game with a thief. I will not be at Masters of Alchemy booth uh, at PAX. I will be at the Ghostfire Gaming booth. Um, so if you want to hear about Ghostfire Gaming, come over and say hi as well. I'm sure they definitely will be really happy with you talking to me about this podcast and not their podcast. Um, they, they're they super, super glad about that. They have uh, a podcast? What else? They do. Uh, <laughs> the Eldritch Lord. Who's, on, who's on that podcast? That's uh, Ben Byrne from Ghostfire Gaming, Dale oh, Kingsmill ben from Byrne. Monarch Factory, um, James Hake, and uh, Sean Merwin from Mastering Dungeons. Um, so oh, just, just throwing all that out there. I know it too well. What else? Uh, you can find us on Instagram, which is at dndntvpod, and you can send us emails and questions, dndntvpod at gmail.com, where you can wish a thief well, because you're not on the internet, are you a thief? You don't have socials. No. What's the internet? No. Smart. Right now, That's the best uh, my, one. Right now, my phone just went like a... And then... <laughs> That's what I've started doing when people call about. We want to change your internet service. Like, oh, I don't have the internet. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really like when people fun. try and stop me on the street. I say, like, oh, sorry, no English. Yeah, yeah, that works for you because you're short. So, um, yeah. The also, rest of us a minority. <laughs> uh, anyway, let us wrap that up. I think I've covered everything I need to. Um, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, be kind to yourselves, and Hex, check it out. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.